how would you uh, describe yourself as a player? I was a very good player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the first things I said to the, the chairman, United have got to become a European side again. Without being unkind, the Titanic had more chance to survive. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the well-publicised part one the big of the one. High Press Christmas special. And boy, yeah, yeah. have we got an episode for you today. It's a slightly shorter one today, but that does not take away from anything of the quality of this episode and the calibre of guests that we have this week. Quality over quantity. Yeah, that that's, is the, that's what you got to take. That is absolutely true. Mm. Um, let, me, let me tell you a few things about the person that we've got on today. Double FA Cup winner in 1982 and 90, or sorry, 1983 and 1985. FA Charity Shield winner in 1983. Won football two League Cups in 1991 and 1994. Managed some unbelievably big clubs, and by big clubs I mean West Bromwich Albion, I mean Manchester United, I mean Atletico Madrid, Sheffield Wednesday, Aston Villa, Coventry, Nottingham Forest. Those are some big big clubs that this person has managed. Um, our absolute joy and complete shock that we've managed to attract a person of this calibre. <laughs> yeah. um, but this week we welcome um, experienced manager Ron Atkinson onto the High Press podcast. Rob, how on earth have we managed this? I mean, you say experienced. He is a great of the game. He is a veteran. Um, yeah, you, you grow up hearing about him and, and seeing seeing his antics and whew, I mean even even saying like former Manchester United manager it's big Ron Atkinson I have really managed to pull this off it's just I know it's I know. fantastic Incredible. isn't it uh, but yeah. a great chat with one a great great chat with one we speak about his career of course um, of, of course the, the record appearance holder for Oxford United I think that probably needs to be uh, needs yeah, to be mentioned too um, so we spoke a, a bit about his, his playing career of course then before moving into his, his managerial career and of course being the manager of Manchester United we had to ask a few questions there didn't we uh, Rob what oh, else yeah, can we definitely. expect from the uh, from the episode yeah, so he he tells us the club he likes to watch at the moment uh, might be a bit of uh, a little bit of a shock to you, maybe. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, a, a running with Neil Warnock, who hasn't had one of those. Um, <laughs> he talks about uh, his his love for progressive modern football, uh, and and uh, yeah, as as we mentioned, the FA Cup. Uh, some of the best players he, he's brought in, some of the most iconic players that he, he's, he's worked with as well, and he's, he's admiration uh, for, for Brian Clough as well mm. and, and how he, he really liked him. Again, another big name in the, uh, in the footballing world. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's go into this episode. Uh, he's, some of his nicknames include Big Ron, The Tank, uh, the tank. but quite simply, uh, we're going to call him uh, the one and only Mr. Ron Atkinson. Uh, hi Ron, how are you doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, Brilliant. Excellent. Well, thank, thank you very much for coming on the High Press podcast. We, we really appreciate it. Um, listen, we've got a couple of questions that we'd like to ask you about, uh, about your career, as you know, so um, we'll get straight into them if we can. Um, so the, our first question, quite simply, Ron, is how did you get into football? Well, basically, the, the way most people in my, in my generation used to, you play at a level at school football, you get picked for the various representative sides, and then um, clubs uh, clubs have their scouts watching those games. And, uh, mm. you know, I played, I played for the Birmingham District and school trials, county trials, well, played for the county and everything. And, uh, you know, invariably when we were playing games against like the Lon- London or Lancashire, or the, the place had loads of scouts there because you weren't allowed to join football clubs at those days until you were 14. Ah, okay. Wow. And then uh, I got a, I got offers from a few clubs, um, including Wolves, who then were one of the one of the two best clubs in the country. So I, I spent a little bit of time at Wolves on there, as what they used to call ground staff boys then. Um, now it then became apprentices. Mm. Yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. And, and obviously, yeah. Ron, you're, you're the uh, the record appearance holder for, for Oxford United, I believe. And um, just talk just a little bit about your your playing career. So, what what position did you play, and how would you uh, describe yourself as a player? I was a very good player. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's what was this in the in those days? You'd call them wing halves, uh, central midfield players nowadays. Um, the irony of it, not the irony, the coincidences. I've got the record number of appearances, and I didn't know this till fairly recently. And my wow. brother has got the record number of goals. So you know, we um, wow. we we had quite a time there. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, so jumping forward and into your your management career, um, into to West Brom. Um, do you feel pride about bringing together the three, three degrees at West Brom? And would you ever imagine they'd be so iconic to to this day? Um, well, it was it was a fabulous time. I mean, there were three very very good players. In fact, we we had four or five. Like young Remy Moses was on his way, but coincidentally, because the three were in the team, the biggest, if you like, one of the biggest uh, music bands in the, or groups in the world at the time was the Three Degrees and so it's inevitable we nicknamed them the Three Degrees who then uh, took a took quite a liking to West Brom the uh, the group did and in okay. fact we, we they, they they have attended games at the Hawthorns and uh, we've gone to their shows when they were appearing locally so you know it was a good thing all around it was a good publicity thing uh, from the club's point of view and it also, um, it also the girls, the girls, the the group themselves enjoyed it as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. Um, and obviously, you know, we talk uh, talk about Cyril Regis and, and Brian Robson uh, bringing those names in at West Brom. Um, how does it feel as well to know that you gave other household names now um, chances, such as Mark Hughes and Norman Whiteside at Man United? How does it feel to to think you know you maybe kickstarted their careers at their clubs? Well, we we had a very good youth team when I was at United. Uh, we got to, I think we got to two youth cup finals. Um, the first one we played Watford in, and I think the combined score the over the two legs was something like eight seven or something like that. Mm-hmm. Playing for us, we had Norman and um, 
Mark Hughes, we had a few more, Clayton Blackmore and Graham Hogg and a few more that all had good careers in the game. They had people like John Barnes and uh, Callaghan and so forth. Yeah, and they beat us by the odd goal. Two great games. But I later found out in conversation with Graham Taylor years later that they actually played an overage player. They had one player oh. in the team that was about three years too old. And Graham said, <laughs> I don't tell you at the time. And, uh, otherwise, they'd have been disqualified. But uh, yeah, Norman Whiteside was 16 years of age when I first saw him play. Um, and I've never, I've only ever said three players um, who I guarantee would be successes at 16. Norman was one. Yeah. Lee Henry at the Villa was another. Oh, and yeah. um, we had a young lad named Murphy at Manchester United, a midfield player who we thought was going to be the next Brian Robson at 16 years of age. But something happened and he, he never quite fulfilled his promise. Mark Hughes was a little bit later coming along. Mark was, um, you weren't weren't quite sure whether you could see he got something, but you weren't quite sure how good he was going to be, whereas Norman was guaranteed. And I I, I gave Mark Hughes his debut, I think he was at Oxford in, in a League Cup game, and actually played him on the left-hand side, and he smashed the goalie. Um, and then, the I think... About 18 months later, he established a regular place in the side and went on to, uh, you know, a massive career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. And and yeah. and moving on to your your time at United a little bit, Ron. How a, a couple of questions combined is that really? So, firstly, how did you feel your time at United was, and and where did those two FA Cup wins with United rank in your achievements as as a football manager? <laughs> Well, don't forget, when I went to United, you know, and people tend to forget this, particularly people that have only been brought up on the Premiership. Um, I think when I went there, I think in the 15 years prior to me going there, United had won one trophy. Mm. People, in fact, three years earlier, they'd been in the second, what was then the second division. Wow. So when I, left, when I left a very, very good team at West Bromwich Albion, they were a better team than the team I inherited at United, to be fair. One of the first things I said to the, the chairman, United have got to become a European side again because in the early or the, the, the six, uh, late 50s, early 60s and all that, they were synonymous with Europe. And, but they hadn't, they hadn't made that many appearances in European tournaments. So that was, one of, that was one of the things we had to lay down. Let's get back into Europe. And I made sure we were in there every year. I mean, we... I think in the five five seasons I was there, we we never came out the top four. We we're in the top four, which um, nowadays, of course, qualifies you for the Champions League every year. Um, mm. In them, we, we we were in the cup. We, we played in the Cup Winners' Cup and the uh, the UEFA Cup, which if we if we through a league position, but um, and then of course after High Show, we all got we all got uh, suspended from Europe. Um, because yes. of what happened at Nigel. So we got suspended and we missed we missed a couple of years in Europe through that. Um, but that was the aim to start with. And on a few occasions, I, winning the FA Cup, the FA Cup then was massive. I mean, I, I think they've, if you like, they've sanitised the FA Cup a little bit now and indeed the League Cup because they're both massive competitions and teams never, ever thought... Uh, I mean, people like myself and my my generation 
Well, it's up on the FA Cup. The FA mm. Cup day was always the big day. The fans loved it. Everybody sat in front of the televisions and watched all day watching the FA Cup. So, as I say, it was massive in those days. And it's still massive. But yeah. um, but the League Cup, they di- they've diluted over the last... I mean, teams... Teams playing their sort of youth team, an A team, and yeah. people like that, you know, yeah. and they're the first class competition there. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough uh, to win it, win the League Cup a couple of times. And believe me, we, and on both occasions, we were playing Man U. And on both occasions, make no mistake, Man U were playing, they had a full, they had a very full team out. And, you know, yeah. you, we used to do that, and I still get fans at the Villa. And particularly Sheffield Wednesday, it's it's the only trophy Sheffield Wednesday have won of any significance in the last, I don't know, 60, 70 years, I think. And mm. I still get people from Sheffield who say that was the greatest day of their life. Yeah. Um, and the Villa fans, you know, we beat, we beat arguably, certainly the, the, the United side that Fergie always reckons was his strongest team. You know, we go to Wembley and beat them 3-1. So... They were great occasions, and I'm sad when I see teams that have got no chance of winning anything playing weakened sides in the tournament. I'd, I'd just kick them out. I would. I really would. Mm. And the other thing I would do, the team that finishes, the team that wins the FA Cup, I'd put in the Champions League. I'd put them in the Champions mm. League and say, mm. you know, then you wouldn't have too many A-teams playing in the fourth and fifth rounds of the competitions. That's you'd true. Have the full, you'd have the full Monty out. Yeah, that's a yeah, very good yeah. point you make there. Very yeah. good point. Yeah. Very true. Um, yeah, and you, you mentioned uh, Villa as well. Uh, so jumping forward to that time in your career, so what were your thoughts on new Premier League as it was, as it was formed then? Um, and how did it feel to manage your boyhood club, uh, Villa, and, and achieve the highest position as an English manager ever? Um. When, when it was first mooted, the Premiership, you know, I couldn't quite see why. You know, I, could, I thought, well, what's wrong with the First Division as it stands? I now realise that it gave it that little bit more elitist. It was a little bit more, if you like, um, the sponsors and television would... would they, they, they loved the idea of something that was a little bit... A lot more commercial. Yeah, and I mean, mm. you look at... Even the other leagues now, like the uh, the Spanish league, and they changed to La Liga and things like that. You know, all a lot of the other European nations all changed their their titles. But the Premiership, at first, I thought I can't quite see the point of it. But I'll hold my hands up and say I think it's been a great success. You know, mm-hmm. I think the way it's been marketed, and you know, it's now marketed as and probably rightly so now as the the best league in the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Going yes, back I mean, to how you mentioned about the Villa. Yeah, yeah. there's three or four chances to manage the Villa in the past, and the timing was never quite right. Um, and then, you know, as a Sheffield Wednesday, we just got promotion back. We'd won the Cup. We had a very, very good side. So I thought, well, at least... I'm leaving that. I'm leaving that club in particularly good hands, and I because if I don't go this time to the Villa, I don't think I'll ever go. You know, the chance will probably never crop up again. Mm. And, and and speaking about um, you sort of personally as a manager, on so 
you know, obviously you've been in, in cup finals for, you know, on a number of occasions. How how difficult is it to keep players calm and composed in that environment whereby there's a lot of pressure, you know, people are watching from the homes on their TV, your team is in a final. How do you calm and relax players before that game to get them focused on playing their best their, their best football? Well, first and foremost, I always thought that if you get to a cup final, you have to make an event of it. <laughs> All right, if you're, if you're somewhere like Liverpool at the time or Manchester United or whatever, had been in loads of finals and so forth, um, I'm talking about the League Cup finals, particularly now and later on. Um, what, so we, we would invariably, we'd, we'd, go down, we'd go down to London a couple of days earlier. I'd invite, I'd invite the players to bring the wives. I'd take them all out for dinner on the two nights beforehand to a nice Ita- good Italian restaurant mm. that we knew. We'd have a little bit of a laugh. And then after the next day, I'd move the team out at that hotel in the middle of London out to a, a hotel out in the country by Bishop Abbey, where we trained. We did a we did morning's training and prepared for it that way and then made sure that everything was... Um, that everybody had a, a memorable time. And I, because I was a great believer, if you went to Wembley, if you played in the cup final or whatever, a league cup final, and you went there once, particularly with clubs that hadn't been there so often, then there, there's a desire to go back. And if I look at Sheffield Wednesday's record after I left, I think in the next two years, I think they were, they were back in three cup finals. Didn't win any of them, but at least the players knew how good it was to be there and wanted to be there. Yes, yeah. um, and you know that was that was a big thing. Mm. And 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 I know we've we very very quickly sort of skimmed over your managerial career there, Ron. But um, what made you decide to to want to retire from management after your your spell at Nottingham Forest? Well, basically, I was going to pack up anyway. I'd been offered a good job with television, um, and I was I was actually I, I more or less I more or less finished after I'd been at Sheffield Wednesday then. Um, I got the opportunity to go to um, Forest rang me when I was, out. I was actually out on holiday in Barbados and they rang me. They were obviously in a lot of trouble and uh, would I go and see if there was any way, shape or form that um, they could survive? Well, without being unkind, the Titanic had more chance to survive. <laughs> um, when, when, I, when I went and found out they were... Whatever we, I think it was it was late February. Sixteen games left, and I think mm. we'd only got thirteen points. And wow. uh, and then all of a sudden, I, I, was, I sold a couple of players on with a with a view to bringing in some players that would at least compete. And then I found out that uh, it was it, they weren't going to they weren't going to buy the players. It was just they 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 they'd resigned themselves. I would think even before I got there to, to going down. So we were just right. uh, damage limitation. But we got, so your pride says you keep having a go. We got 17, I think we got 17 points out of the last 15 games that was there. So mm. um, on, that, on that basis, we probably would have survived. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what, what are some of your thoughts on um, Brian Clough? Uh, and and he's tenure at Forest as well. Do you? Well, in my book, Cluffy. When you talk about all-time great managers, Cluffy, Cluffy would be on a par with anybody that's ever managed in the game. 
And, mm. you know, there's people like Sir Alex, people like Bob Paisley, who've got more trophies, many more in some cases. But when you look at Cluffy, he's won the league at both Derby and Forest. To win, that's incredible. But to win yeah. two European Cups at Forest, when he was having to play, play against the creme de la creme, because at the time, the only people in the European Cup were more or less the champions. Mm. You know, it, it was incredible. It really was incredible. I was at, I, I was at the final when they played um, the one in Madrid, I, when they played um, the German team, Hamburg. I was at yes. that final when they won that one, John Robertson. And Cluffy, Cluffy's record, and he won a few, he won a number of cups as well, although he could never win the FA Cup, which he always wanted to win. And he was an oddball, but he was a, <laughs> he was a very talented oddball. And I, I actually got on great with him. I had a great relationship. In fact, when I was at Forest, he wanted me to stay on. Um, yeah. But, you know, I'd made other plans then, yeah. yeah. Do you, how... Uh, well, do you think he would have got on as uh, England manager? Because I know he was always the one that they never got. Cluffy. Cluffy. Yeah. Uh, I think he would have been a very good tournament manager. Mm. You know, I think if he'd have said, there you are, you've got two, three, four weeks with the players, the job is to get it done and, and win. I think, I think then, particularly the 82 World Cup, when Cluffy was more or less in his prime, um, I think he would have been a perfect fit for that, but Ron Green would have got them there. They'd qualified. I, th yeah. I think if you'd have given the job on a day-to-day -day basis all the while, I think he'd have got bored. I really do. I think <laughs> he'd, he'd have got bored with having nothing to do most days because he's not going. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't attend committee meetings and things like that. He, yeah. he wouldn't be bothered with that. He just wanted to get a team together that could win something. Yes. Yeah, just just bring him in for the action for say like two two weeks or you know a, a yeah month yeah month. He, that that would have suited him down to the ground where he could work with the players he got control of the players he'd pick to pick the players he wanted um, because I think that is really the be all and end all of international management taking mm. them into tournaments yeah yeah yeah. Definitely. Um, and, and sort of summarising there, Ron, so uh, if you could maybe give us a couple of names, because I appreciate it might be a bit difficult for you, this one. Who, who are some of potentially the most uh, talented players that you've worked with and managed? Best player I've ever worked with, without a shadow of doubt, Brian Robson. Yes. Brian Robson, Brian Robson was the best player. Um, other, other brilliant talents, Paul McGrath, of course, was, a, was a, yeah. I still think, the best centre-half the Premiership's probably had. Um, uh, Gordon Strachan was a terrific player very underrated terrific player Gordon Strachan Laurie Cunningham and Cyril you mentioned great mm. players smashing players Laurie before he went to Real Madrid was 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 excellent um, I had a player in, when I was in Madrid uh, sorry uh, yeah when I was at Madrid Paolo Futri who had been European Footballer of the Year you know, Portuguese lad who was up there, if you talk in terms of Portuguese players, he's up there with Eusebio, uh, Figo and Ronaldo. He's in that he's in that group. He gets mentioned wow. in the same wow. breath as those. Um, he was a big talent. But I've been very, very... I've considered myself very lucky that I've worked with a lot of... Not only talented players, but good lads as well. 
mm, some yeah, some definitely. super lads, you know. And, um, maybe a bit different now, but uh, you know the values are obviously have changed. But um, I, I I enjoyed it. I had a great time, and as I say, I met some terrific people along the way. Yeah, and, and obviously you've had a you know a very very successful uh, both playing and managerial career on. But is there anything that if you wanted to um, change about your career, if you if you was to look back at your career now as a whole, both as a player and as a manager, is there anything that you would look back on and go, I wish I would have done that just a little bit differently? Well, you can always look back in hindsight. There's very very few things that I go back to say, knowing how it was at the time. I mean, two of the players that I wanted big time to come to Manchester United was Terry Butcher from Ipswich mm, mm. and Gary Lineker from Leicester. And on both occasions, it looks as if we got the deal tied up. On both occasions, and um, from a set of circumstances, we got neither. And I believe, I believe if we'd have got those two, I don't think United would have had to wait quite so long to, to win a league title. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and looking back at it again, are there any aspects of today's game that you would like to maybe have seen in football when, when you were in management? Um, what I, yeah, the or pictures. May, or maybe <laughs> the pictures. Or maybe <laughs> vice versa, Ron. Is there anything from the game yeah. that has now gone that you would like to bring back into the modern game? I would like, yeah, I'd like to see... I, I watch. I tell you what, I watched the other week. I watched the, the the World Cup final, which I'd seen before, and um, and my, my my take on the World Cup final when I remember it in '66 was that it was a great event, but I didn't think from memory that the game was that good. But I watched it the other night, and I couldn't believe quite how good it was, how mm. positive the players were, how a lot of the square passing wasn't on. It was. Uh, People like Bobby Charlton were getting it, and the first look after the beaten man was to play it into the front people, and there was mm. a lot more progressive football played there. And sometimes, sometimes I get the impression that uh, teams pass the ball, particularly amongst the back four, just just because they think they're playing well in possession. And sometimes I look at the opposition, think they're laughing at them and going, "You can keep it there all day long." Yeah. I mean, there was always a saying when we played anybody, um, if you've got any problems, leave the back four players with the ball. Mm. Now, the back four players have more of the ball than any any players on the field, I reckon. Um, so I'd like to see the game. I, I like high tempo. That's why if, you, if I had to watch a team every week at the moment, it actually would be Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I'd watch Liverpool a lot, the way they play. Very high tempo, very quick from the back into midfield, into midfield, into the front players. We've got wide players that uh, travel the distance. And, you know, I like that. I like high tempo football. Um, sometimes when it gets a bit slow and a bit pedestrian, um, you know, it almost sends you to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would yeah. agree with that. That's, um, that's very true. And I mean, today I, I saw a statistic from, from the Premier League and they said the, I think it was the top five um, passers in the league at the moment. I, I expected to see midfielders maybe in there. And I think the four of them were centre-backs and, well, and, and, and a left-back. I'll tell you a little story about that. And he was a great lad for me. When I was at Coventry, we signed a lad from Birmingham, Liam Dace. 
big, strong centre-half who'd headed it the same as he'd had a jumbo jet off the runway if he had to, to, to <laughs> save a goal. He was, he was a big, strong, like, great lad. So the stats come out, Opta, when Opta first came out, the stats came out, and he was a better passer in our team at Coventry than Gary McAllister was. And I'm thinking, well, how does that work out? Because what happens, Liam Dace gets the ball, wins it or whatever, and that's his job, rolls it five or ten yards to Gary McAllister, who then sets off on a load of one-twos and tries to yeah. play killer passes at the end. He plays the pass that counts. And yeah. it made out that Liam was a better passer of a ball than Gary McAllister. And I thought, there's no way in the world now I'm looking at that anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, the, the last question that we've got for you, Ron, obviously years and years of experience in the game. Have you got one or two funny stories that you can share with us that, that still you look back on now and, and make you have a bit of a giggle? Uh, there's a few. There's a few that can be told. <laughs> I bet there's a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, give us a, give us a couple of funny stories to end on. What was that? Yeah, you reminded me one at the start, and I forgot what it was now. Um, there was, in fact, I did a thing with Andy Gray in Qatar this last week, and uh, Andy brought it up actually because Andy was my assistant manager to start with at the Villa. Okay, yes. And, and we were talking, he talked about an incident where we were playing Notts County at, at Villa Park, and. The previous season at Sheffield, I'd had a bit of a run-in with the Nuts County manager, namely Neil, Neil Warnock. And that's easy <laughs> to do with Neil. Yes, I can imagine. It's easy to do, in fact, yeah. So we're in the dugout of Villa Park, and something happened, and Neil started berating one of his own players for not whacking Cyril Regis. And that's like, <laughs> that was like having saying, why don't you run into that wall over there and see, if you can see what the outcome is? Because <laughs> yeah. this lad, the Tony Agarno, I think he was, went flying into Regis, bounced off him and hit the deck. So <laughs> Neil starts getting on the... He walks on the pitch and starts having a right go. Get him and he will, the things he said he should, he should have been doing to Sir Big Cyril. And I'm sat there. I, well, I'm not sat there. I'm stood there in our dugouts and I've got a rolled up notes that uh, well I said it was a menu it actually was a, uh, some rolled up notes so I went across onto the pitch and the crowd were all behind me and I've gone whack I've hit him around the back of the head with this rolled up notes I said I've told you before you get in that dugout so I'll put you in there and the crowd are all gone right I'm going, anyway put him in and I'm booted and suited and whatever walk back to my dugout I'm still giving him the big thing you're like if you and I've stepped, as I've stepped, I've stepped in the biggest bucket of ice cold water you can imagine. And nobody's seen me. I've got me now. So I'm now stood there berating um, Warnock, but I've got my foot in this big bucket of water. And I've got a great suit on, like, and things like that. Anyway, Andy Gray just Andy looks and goes, Hey, Gaffer. I said, You say a dicky bird, and I'll sack you. And then I point up the other end of the field. Everybody looked that way, and I quickly whipped my foot out the water. And I'm still waving at Warnock, saying, "You ever say that about my players again?" And you, you well, you got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Mm. 
But Warnock, Neil didn't know that till about two years later. We played him in an FA Cup match and we had to tell him the story. But uh, yeah, <laughs> they were little things. Um, there's a few others that uh, <laughs> can't be named. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, well, well I, th- I think that's it from us, Ron, to be honest with you. I think that's... Um... That was incredible. Obviously, a great privilege and honour to, to speak to you. So, thank you for, for sparing some of your time to, to come and speak to us. It's uh, been a, been a yeah, real honour and much. a privilege. No problem, lads. Lovely. As thank you, you very much, Ron. We'll... You're saying Birmingham, <laughs> hasta la próxima. Bye. Cheers, Ron. Bye. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the High Press Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We really appreciate a rating on iTunes just so that people can find us more easily. Yeah, and make sure you follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Our handle is at the High Press Pod. This is where we announce all of our guests, run competitions, and keep you informed with everything happening on the High Press Podcast.